Hello, good morning, um, good to see you guys. Yeah, we get, uh, like Pastor Daniel was saying, we get smaller around this time, but um, it's a pretty good turnout, I think, pretty good turnout. Um, I hope you're enjoying the little bit warmer weather, um, it's nice to not be painfully cold. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14. Um, if you've been here for the past few weeks, we've been doing a series, an Advent series called, um, basically focusing on Jesus Christ. Christ the King. Uh, we started with Christ, um, the, the, the one that was foretold of, um, Christ the prophesied King, Christ the saving King, and Christ the humble King. And today, we talk about Lord of the Rings, the returning King. Um, so if you have John 14, we can turn to there together. And if you do not, we can look at the screen here. So John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let me pray for us as we continue on. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we just ask for one thing, that Holy Spirit, you would completely just cover this time. And Holy Spirit, you would speak into our hearts, you would speak into our lives, and you would speak a message of truth and hope, a message of life. And that's what we find when we draw nearer to you. So would you speak through the words? Would you speak through our remaining time of worship? Um, and would you just be ever so present in this time that we share together? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so I want to sh- start by showing um, a short video. You may have seen it. Um, it's about first world problems um, and other people talking about first world problems. And basically they just went on Instagram and uh, found a bunch of first world problems and had people read these first world problems. And uh, so we'll just start with that. I hate when my phone charger won't reach my bed. I hate when my little seats aren't heated. When I go to the bathroom and I forget my phone. La mette radio na machine a laver, yo commence sentir. I hate it when my house is so big. I need two wireless waters. When my Megan makes my hot water taste too cold. When I have to write my maid a check, but I forget her last name. internet I hate it when I tell them no pickles and they still give me pickles. So that was just a short um, promotion for donating for water. But um, just to get a glimpse of a lot of the things that we deal with <laughs> in our everyday kind of things we complain about, um, I went on Instagram and looked for my own 
Um, and I found a few more that are kind of entertaining. Um, <clears throat> a girl's biggest struggle now is finding the perfect filter. Um, basically an, an Instagram problem there. Um, uh, I don't know what to have for lunch, and I'm like starving. So, yeah, we have a lot of problems. Sometimes we have so many options that we still starve because we don't know what to eat. Um, thought we deserved Peking Duck for just us two, and now we're too full to enjoy it. Oh my gosh, I'm so full. I can't enjoy the rest of my food. Uh, boo, why can't I just buy shoes that fit me properly? <sighs> so I'll just buy another one and see if that one works, and I'll just buy another one and see if that one works, and we'll see where we go from there. Um, saying goodbye, putting the vampire away for winter. See you in April. I gotta drive my winter car and put away my Escalade. Oh my. Um, it's uncomfortably hot in my room, but I need to feel the weight of covers on me to fall asleep. Uh, first world problems. Um, if I stay in bed, I'll be warm. If I get in the shower, I'll also be warm. But the distance between the shower, bed and the shower, no, that is not warm. You know, I, I, I feel you, you know, like, it's a struggle to get through this. It's, it's a problem we have. And lastly, if you know the problem with sriracha, oh noes. That's an empty bottle of sriracha. Um, you know, what are we going to use? And I know some of you. I know some of you, you go through a bottle of this like once a week because we love this stuff. But this, if we, if we look at a lot of stuff that we complain about, on our daily routine, it's, it's first world problems. Now, 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 not everything we complain about is like that. We do have some real problems, too. Um, you know, there's divorce in our society. There's uh, bullying, uh, self-image issues. Um, there's real poverty in our first world. Um, but whether it be something kind of petty that we just complain about or some of these bigger things, we always have some way to pursue a solution, right? Um, if I'm being bullied, I can pursue a solution and, and try to build some self-confidence maybe or learn how to confront problems. Or um, if we're not making enough money, we can pursue jobs, pursue careers. Um, if we don't have shoes that fit properly, we go buy another pair of shoes. But there is one problem that as a culture we love to just be in denial of. There's a problem that instead of facing it head on, the best we often do is just try to deny it for as long as we can and push it off. The problem of death. It's a problem. It's a problem. In fact, in life, it's the only sure thing. You're born and you die. Everything in the middle is, who knows what's going to happen. The only sure thing is the one thing that as a culture we deny the most and try to not confront, try to not talk about, and try to just figure out later. And at best, we, you know, this is why there's the whole health craze, right? The whole point is to try to live as long as possible, as comfortably as possible, as long as possible. And so in, in, a, in a week or so, everyone's going to hit the gym because that's our New Year's resolution. Everybody's going to quit smoking because that's our New Year's resolution. And uh, everyone's going to try to be a little bit healthier, uh, eat a few more vegetables, you know, whatever. Um, but all this, this whole thing, look young, uh, be healthy, all of it is trying to 
prolonged death. And instead of actually thinking about death and coming up with a solution for it and trying to figure out, what am I going to do with this problem? We just push it off. And even people here, as we sit here, if we're not in a place that we can say, I can die tomorrow without fear, without regret. Unless we figured out a solution for death and we're in that place to say, no fear, no regret, I can die then we're also in denial. Because why would you take the only sure thing in life and not try to get to a place where you can be at peace with it? We're a culture that denies the idea of death for as long as we can. And what we see in this passage is Jesus talking to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's trying to comfort them and he's talking to a group of people that will face the worst some of the worst deaths what do you say to people who are going to be crucified like jesus was for peter he said i don't want to be crucified the way that jesus was i'm not worthy of it so hang me upside down and crucify me that way what do you tell someone who's going to be burned alive to comfort them what do you tell them Someone who's going to be boiled in oil or have boiling oil on them and then survive to live through it. What do you tell that person to give them comfort? Some people who would, animals would stretch their limbs and eventually tear them apart. What kind of comfort do you bring those people? And I know we have problems, heartache, difficulty, and we have things going on, but... I don't know if, if I'm actually thinking about it, whatever it is, I, and I have the option of to go through this or to be burned alive. I don't think I would choose to be burned alive. And Jesus offers these people a comfort. And what does he offer them? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And here's what he says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And that's what he says. What does he offer them? He offers them a place. He offers them a place. And to a people who are so fearful of death, right? And so we have our, our fantastical fountain of youth that everyone is after. Everyone wants to be like Wolverine and never die and have healing powers. That death comes, the threat of death comes, I'll be okay. But we're not like that. There is no fountain of youth and death is the only real thing. And the peace that he offers is that there's a place for you in my father's house. My father's house. That's where your home is. What is home? Why, why is he offering these people? Why, why is home the thing that he offers? What is home for us? Home is, 
home is the place where you go and you, you're comfortable. You, you know what to expect. You know what's right. You know, uh, it's where you go and relax. And I've been in Boston for seven years now. Wait, since 06? What is that? That is seven years. Since 06, seven years. Um, and I remember when I first got here, um, one of the things that I contrasted with my place before, Boston, Seattle, was I remember 4th of July. And I was here during 4th of July, and it was my first time taking the tea on the 4th of July. And uh, I don't know if you've ever taken the tea on the 4th of July. And you've probably taken the tea on other occasions. But this was my, I don't, I drive, so I don't take the tea. And on this occasion, the tea, oh, it was so uncomfortable. Like, you, you do this when you play basketball sometimes, but have you, have you ever brush across someone and you just, like, slide off because they're so sweaty? And then you just, like, ew, right? And then, so, first of all, we decided not to take the tea because the tea was so cramped, and then we started walking. But then we realized, walking is ridiculous. We're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get to where we want to go walking. So we're like, just, just get into the tea. After 20 minutes of walking, we decided to get into the tea. But that takes another 15 minutes to just, like, you know, barely move, and then you're finally in, and then you realize you're very drenched and not from your own sweat. And it's very uncomfortable. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, oh, I remember 4th of July in Seattle, where I knew the very, the, the routes that nobody knew about. And I could get through traffic, and I could navigate through that. I knew exactly where to park. I knew exactly how far to go. And I could watch the fireworks, enjoy the show, and then go home on a very comfortable journey. Home is just, and I was like, that's home for me. It's where I know the roads that nobody takes. You know, it's very simple things. Home is where you're comfortable. Home is where you come back and you sit back and you just, (sighs) home. It's where there's maybe food that you're familiar with. It's where there's people there maybe that really embrace you for who you are. You don't need to put on a front. You don't need to act proper. You just come and be, and that's home. You know, it's one thing to be in a, to be in a relationship or to know people that accept you for who you are. Right? That's pretty good. To be able to lay out everything you are and to be accepted. But it's another thing to be able to lay out everything you are and to be embraced, to be rejoiced in. And to be exalted in those things. Not just accepted, but loved even for those things. And that would be what God is offering. What Jesus is offering here. He's saying, there is a place for you in my Father's house. In this place, in my Father's house, there's a room that I'm preparing for you. It's home. I imagine one day getting there and finally, everything makes sense. When we get to our, our room, and that's when you let out that sigh. <sighs> oh, you know? And that's what he offers to a people who are going to suffer immensely. And he says, you know how to get there. Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. How do we know how to get there? We don't know the destination. We don't know the route to the destination that we don't know. And God says, and Jesus says, In verse 6, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There is only one way to get to this home. And it's through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and it's not like we pursue a route or a destiny. We pursue a person. And that's the way home. Jesus Christ is the way home. The problem with us is that we're getting so comfortable here. And I beg you not to be comfortable here. We pursue all the comforts of this world. And we try to make this world my home. I want to make enough money so that I'm comfortable here. I want a job so that the people here like me. I want to improve my parents here so that they will love me. But Brothers and sisters, this is not home. And I'm afraid that if we get too comfortable here, what Jesus is saying, I am home. Heaven is your home. The problem is if we get too comfortable here, and this fallen world is our home, then this will for eternity be our home. This fallen world. But I hope we are not too comfortable here, and I hope that we do not pursue our comforts here. And we pursue everything in Christ. And that we recognize this is not home. Christ is home. And one day he will take me home. But this is not home. This is not the place to pursue the longings of my heart in this world. It's not home. And if we make it home, God will say, okay, I will let this be your home. And so we see here that Christ promises that he's coming back. He will take his people with him to their real home. And to get a little bit more of this picture, I want to look into the book of Revelation, which tells us of of a, of a dream picture that John has. And Revelation 5 is... is just, this is still the very beginning of the dream, and basically he's getting a glimpse of, in chapter 4, he's getting a glimpse of, of, of this image of all these creatures, basically, and, they're, and they're, just, they're just majestic creatures, right? And so he's getting this picture, and in verse, chapter 5, he says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scrolls? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the roots of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. 
Understand that God hears our prayers and he even collects our prayers. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you are slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them clean. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So here we see John in this dream. He has this picture of a scroll, of a scroll. And if you go back a couple of weeks, we talked about that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, God spoke everything into creation with a spoken word. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and this word was God, and the word became flesh. And what we're seeing here is that John is getting a glimpse of, of the end where there's a scroll. And this is, this is representing the promises of God, the word of God, God's plan in history. And this is the scroll and nobody can open it. Nobody has access to the promises of God. And so he weeps. What do you do when God has such great promise and nobody can enter into that? He's torn and he weeps in sadness. And then an angel says, do not weep. There is one. Who is worthy. And he sees a lamb slain. In the beginning of the book of John, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. In Isaiah 53, we read that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And here we see a slain lamb is the image that John gets. And this lamb is worthy to open the scroll. In the end, Jesus Christ will fulfill, again, the promises of God. And, and we pick up, as, as more goes on, and we pick up in verse chapter 21, and eventually this is what happens. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear, from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this. Now will be their God, and they will be my children. 
there will be a time when everything that we're sad about, everything that brings us heartache, everything that has broken and fallen in this world, it will be restored. Everything. In Psalms, there's, there's, there's a passage where it tells us, Psalm 56, where it tells us that God records every tear that we shed. There is no tear that God does not see. There is no tear that goes in vain. There is no heartache, no brokenness that God just dismisses as nothing. In this life, he records it, and he collects them, and he watches, and he sits with us, and he gives us strength in those moments. But there will be a day when there is no tear, when there are no more tears. Not just he walks with us through the tears, but there are no tears, no brokenness, no sadness. For the people of God, this is the promise that we have a home in heaven that is perfect. And so what this is, and what this is for the, for the apostles, how this helps them to endure, is that this is hope for tomorrow and strength for today. Hope for tomorrow, strength for today. It's like, if you go back to the old days of, of battles, and there's a watchtower. And one of the functions of the watchtower is to see when enemies are coming. Another function is that during the battle, you can go up into the watchtower, and you can see the bigger picture of what's going on. You can go up into the watchtower and you may see your reinforcements coming. You go up into the watchtower and you see that your allies are coming. You see the rest of your army is starting to surround. And you see the victory at hand. So what do you do? You go back down to the ground and you can fight with passion. You can fight with vigor. You can say, I know that we're outmanned right now in this instant and I know that the battle is looking bleak, but I can fight knowing that the victory is just moments away and I can withstand this battle to just hold out and one day I will be in the victory. And in our case, we can hold out on this life and we can fight it because we know that home is just around the corner where we can take that sigh of relief. Sometimes the only thing that gets us through finals is knowing that it's the end of finals is right around the corner, right? It's the same idea. It's the same idea, but at a much grander scale. There's the song, I've decided to follow Jesus. And I don't know if you know the story of this song. But it's, it's amazing. We sing it, and, and, and recently there's been this boom of inserting that line into other songs, right? And so we sing this line, I have decided to follow Jesus. But those lines do not come cheap. Those lines which we still sing, and we sing as an anthem to give us hope, they do not come cheap. About 150 years ago, um, there was a revival in Wales, England. And so after that revival, a lot of missionaries came from that revival. And they traveled up into the northern part of India. Um, And India was, that part of India was very different. It wasn't like states like it is right now, but it was just kind of a tribal area known as Assam. A very hostile area. The people there were known as headhunters. 
because they chopped off heads. It was a violent area. And the reason they chopped off heads was because as you entered the, the, the age where you get married, you go around and you chop off as many heads as you can to show that you can protect your family, to show that you are strong and you are worthy to marry someone and to protect a woman. And so many people died and many people were very vicious, headhunters. And so you would parade these heads as your trophies to show how strong you were. And so this is the area that the missionaries went into. And they, it was a tough area, needless to say. But at least one missionary, one Welsh missionary, did break in and was able to convert a man and his wife and his two children. So this much we know. That one family was converted to the name of to Christianity. And this family started to affect their tribe. They started to, to share about Jesus. And, and people were being affected by this. And they were starting to reach more people in their tribe. Now, in a tribe, you can't just do anything without the permission of the chief. If it's not okayed by the chief, you can't just go and mess up his tribe according, not according to his rules. So the chief has a problem with this. And he's like, what's going on? Who, what, why is my tribe changing? And they're trying to do different things and their values are changing. What is going on? So he gathers his tribe in and he brings the man and his family to the front. And he says, if you don't renounce Christ, this God, then I'm going to kill you. And That was the moment when the man stood there. He didn't say much. He just sang. As as his life was on the line and his family was there with him. Saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's it. And of course, that infuriated the chief. He was furious. He said, kill the kids. Kill the kids. And so archers. And these are not gunmen. They don't die instantly. They're archers. The kids fall over half alive, twitching next to him. And the chief says, if you don't renounce Christ, you will die, and your wife will die. And he sings again. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Chief is more furious. Kill the wife! Kill the wife! And the wife goes down. Now she's next to the kids. He says, you have one more chance to denounce, to, 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 to get rid of this God, this, this person that you're trying to believe in and follow. You have one more chance. 
cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And then, and then he dies. And the story goes on that the chief couldn't figure out why. Why does this man continue to believe in some figure from thousands of years ago? Well, he, he hunted to gain the rights to this family. And see, he clearly loves his family, his children, and his wife. Why does he forsake his family and leave them to die, and even himself die to the very end without flinching for this person, for this figure? And he can't understand it. And he eventually comes to the place, this must be God. And revival in that tribe. And the tribe, as they see their chief, they follow Jesus. How did he do that? The discipline to say, I need to lay it down, and therefore I'm going to lay it down because that's what I'm supposed to do. No. He had a hope in something. He had a hope in the big picture of what Christ promised. He knew that this life was nothing compared to the promises of God. I can endure all things for the sake of Christ. Not just feeling like I'm going to die. At, at our worst, that's where we are. We feel like we're going to die. We feel like it's life's ending. We feel like, I don't know what to do. God can endure through those things. And there's a hope for tomorrow and a strength for today. Not just to the point of feeling like we're going to die, but to the point of death, there is hope for tomorrow and strength for today. Christ is coming. That is the promise. This is not our home. He came and he fulfilled the promises. And in, this, in, a, lot of, in, in a similar way, we're in the same place as the people before. They were waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And, and us, in, in a similar way, we're, we're waiting for the ultimate fulfillment where Christ will come and there will be no more tears, no more sadness, no more brokenness. And we see that from the watchtower and we can come down and there's strength for t- or hope for tomorrow, strength for today. Christ is coming. Home is coming. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we we know too easily that this life it can be hard. God, we know that sometimes we're we're our problems are, are really just silly problems. But not all of them are silly. Some of them are really hard, God. So we only know that we need a greater hope.
And God, you promise that there is the ultimate hope that lies ahead. That there is a moment that is coming where we can let out our sigh of relief to say that this, we finally arrived at home. And you promise that you are coming back to take your people home as you take your rightful place on the throne. So God, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak that truth into our lives. And as it gave hope to the apostles, as it gave hope to inspire a song that gives us hope today, as it gives that kind of incredible, beyond understanding type of hope, would we have that hope through the person of Jesus Christ? We don't pursue a destiny. We don't pursue a method. We pursue a person. We find that home, that the way, the truth, the life, the hope, the grace, the joy, the fulfillment, the peace, everything is found in the person of Jesus. As your people, God, we don't run from death. We're not fearful of death. But because of Jesus, if death were to come tomorrow, today, right now, We only know that home is awaiting. We can die without fear and without regret. Jesus, would you meet us in that way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.